Welcome to NARPM Radio, your source for property management practices and ideas to help your career, delivered to fit your busy schedule. NARPM Radio, get tuned in. Your tenant moved in and three months later wants to break the lease, stating the lease was not signed by the tenant's wife. Can this lease be broken? Was this lease executed improperly? My name is Harry Heist and I'm the founding partner of Heist, Weiss & Wolk, the property manager's partner. The simple task of lease signing, lease execution, is often done wrong. Understanding the process, creating a checklist, will all add up to a successful, fully executed lease agreement. A lease that's executed improperly can create major liabilities, so we want to learn how to avoid these mistakes, avoid the pitfalls. Before you do anything, make sure that your applicant gets a sample of your lease. Very, very important. The applicant needs to see what the lease will look like. You take that sample and hand it to them if you print one out. If it's on your website, you refer them to your website. Whatever you do, you need to make sure they get a sample. The applicant needs to know what they're getting into. If an applicant does not get a sample lease, pays the deposit, gets approved, and then you present them with a lease, they could legally say they don't, that they don't want to sign this lease and they could then get out of the deal. I challenge you to find any contract, any situation where you're going to buy something, buy a car, buy a house, get involved with anything. I challenge you to find a situation where the, the document has not been presented to you first and you know what you're getting into, you know what you're being bound to before you actually are bound to the actual contract. Unfortunately, in property management, it's a bit strange. We're so used to having the applicant fill out an application, get approved, and then putting a lease in front of the face of your tenant-to-be. The tenant almost always simply signs the lease. In fact, most of the time, they don't even read the lease. But there will be some who know that you really can't be bound to signing something that you haven't even seen. So make sure that you give your applicant a sample of what they are going to be signing. It's crucial now, once the lease has been prepared, to have the lease signed and executed properly. And the main reason for this is that the tenant can break this lease later on if this is not done right. First of all, all adults sign the lease. Everyone that's living in this home will be signing the lease if they are adults. There's a huge fallacy out there. There's this idea that if you have an, a person down on the lease as an occupant, it somehow helps you. It, it doesn't help you one bit. In fact, an occupant who's an adult can really cause you a lot of problems. When you think about it, an occupant is in the absolute best situation for himself. Think about this now. An occupant does not have to pay the rent. You can't really sue an occupant. An occupant has no legal obligation to the owner of the property or to you. An occupant is simply someone who you are allowing to occupy the premises. So the situation for an occupant is great, but for the landlord, it's the worst you could possibly have. If they're adults, they sign the lease. If they're adults, 
they're on the lease as tenants. Now, there are a few exceptions. You might have a landlord who has an adult mentally challenged child, and the child is an adult as well. So you have an adult parent, an adult child. But if this person cannot sign a lease because of some kind of mental disability, then obviously they would be down on the lease as an occupant. Possibly you have exceptions that can be made where you have students. You have an 18-year-old student, 19-year-old student, a son or a daughter of the, of the tenants, and the tenants don't want their son or daughter to be put on the lease. This is an exception that usually can be made, but you need to be careful. We've seen situations where parents have gotten leases, they've gotten a home with no intention whatsoever of moving in. They actually did it so that their children can move in or their bad child can move in and then they never even take occupancy. So it's a little bit dangerous. Now you have a situation where the parents signed the lease, the children moved in or the child moves in and now the parents never take possession of the property. So now how do you evict this child? This child is an occupant. So in a situation like that, you know there's a little bit of risk. Some of my clients have a policy if 18 years of age or older, they will sign the lease. Does not matter if they're children, doesn't matter at all. If a lease is over one year, it must have two witnesses per signature. Now, most of you, you might say that you never do leases for more than one year. All our leases are one year leases. Well, we prepare quite a few leases. So we see what your leases look like. And so many times the leases are for more than one year. What the problem is here is that the lease is for one year plus a week or plus two weeks. Got a little proration going on there for the prorated rent, but then it's always a year after that. So really your lease is for more than one year. And if a lease is for more than one year, you need to have two witnesses per signature. If you don't have those two witnesses per signature, you could possibly have a situation where the tenant could break the lease legally three, four, five, six months after they moved in. Many, many tenants will look for reasons to break a lease if they're going to have a big job transfer or if they're going to buy a house. And we're seeing a lot of that now where tenants are buying houses. They go to an attorney, bring the lease to an attorney. The attorney reviews the lease looking for ways to get out of the lease. We see this happen all day long where leases that are over one year are not witnessed. Very, very common mistake. Now, all adults need to be lease signers. And most of you will probably say, of course, if they're on the lease as adults, we're going to make sure they all sign the lease. But I'd like to give you a real quick scenario. Jim and Mary are coming in on Friday to sign the lease. They've been approved, you've collected all the money, the money has cleared the bank, everything's perfect. Jim and Mary now are coming in on Friday to sign the lease. On Friday, Jim shows up. You grab the lease off your desk, you bring it out to Jim, and you realize that Jim and Mary are to sign the lease. And you ask Jim, where's Mary? And Jim says, oh, we had a situation. Mary's father got very ill and she had to go up to Pennsylvania yesterday. It was an emergency situation. But don't worry, she'll be back on Wednesday. She could come in on Wednesday to sign the lease. Well, I could assure you that Wednesday will come and go. And there's a really good chance that Mary 
will not come into your office and sign the lease. There's a really good chance that you won't remember that Mary was supposed to come in and sign the lease. So what happens? Jim and Mary move in, the lease is put in the file, the lease is only signed by Jim. Now Jim and Mary want to break the lease to buy a house. The attorney takes a look at the lease. They see that Mary didn't sign. And now, despite all your policies, despite everything that you're saying, you've got a situation where you did not get both parties to sign the lease. It was a simple mistake. It happens all the time. It shouldn't happen. You should put your foot down and say, no, Jim, we are not going to give you the keys. We're not going to give you this lease until both you and Mary sign the lease. And that's where you would get a procedure in place where you would do everything you can to get Mary to sign that lease. Now, not next Wednesday, when you're going to forget that she needs to sign the lease. And then it gets put in the file. We're going to do everything we can. Make a strict office policy. No keys unless the lease is fully executed. This may mean sending the lease by email to Mary to sign out of state, maybe faxing it to her, maybe having her signed by e-signature. Whatever way, we're going to get this lease signed by Jim and Mary. Even if we've got a lease signed by Jim and a lease signed by Mary, at least I've got two signatures now. Very important. Now, the tenant signs the lease first. You have to always remember the order of signing. Never ever sign a lease first as property manager or landlord and give that lease to a tenant to sign. You always sign the lease last. The tenants sign the lease first. Very important. We see sometimes in renewal situations where a property manager has a renewal lease, the tenant requests a renewed, a renewed lease, and the property manager signs this lease or the owner signs this lease and sends it off to the tenant for signature. Then the tenant holds on to it and never signs it. So now, are they month to month or do they have a lease? Well, the minute you tell them that they're month to month, they're going to sign that lease and now you've got a lease. Now, who should sign the lease for the landlord? Should it be the landlord himself or should it be you as a property manager? Well, we feel that you should sign the lease for many, many reasons, and that's actually the topic of another video. But you sign the lease only if you have a power of attorney from the owner of the property. You can't sign a lease unless you have this power of attorney. So if possible, have a power of attorney and sign the lease on behalf of your owner. If not, the owner signs the lease. After the lease is signed by all parties, a copy of the fully executed lease needs to be given to the tenant fully executed. Now, we do not believe that you should have multiple originals. You should have one original. You keep the original and a fully a copy of the fully executed lease is given to the tenant. And this is done prior to occupancy. Tenants can actually break a lease by saying they did not ever receive a copy of the fully executed lease from you. I know it sounds crazy, but they do it and often we find that the property manager did not give a fully executed lease copy to the tenant. Just something that you forgot. On your key release checklist, you're going to have the lease signing as one of the items, making sure that the lease is signed by all parties before the keys are released. Everything needs to be confirmed. Having a fully executed lease is just one item on that checklist but it's a big item. 
and there's a lot of liability for not having the lease signed by all parties. What could that liability be? Well, we've already mentioned it. The tenants can break the lease. Okay, so the tenant breaks the lease. But you could have a really big problem if you have an eviction. The eviction could be compromised. Now you've got a lease that's not fully executed. It's only one party signed the lease or one, one of the tenants signed the lease. There's two tenants and your eviction gets compromised. Or you'll have a person doesn't sign the lease and that person's now not liable for the money's due under the lease. So after the tenant leaves, you could only go after the tenant that signed the lease, not the person, not the tenant that never signed the lease, never really became a real tenant. The property owner can sue you. They can sue the property manager. When you have a tenant break a lease due to a mistake that was made by the property manager, there's severe liability there. So do it right, use your checklist, or you're going to pay the price later. If you have any questions regarding this topic or any other topic that we discuss, please feel free to email us at info at evict.com. Thanks for listening to NARPM Radio. For more details on today's subject, refer to the show notes or visit narpum.org slash radio, and we'll see you next time on NARPM Radio.